0: Session with Dr. Fadid
1: Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310 441 0555. Let me mention the book of the week that I announced on Monday for this week. It is Mind in Motion, How Action Shapes Thought by Barbara Tversky. And I'm only about 20 pages in, but it's very interesting. Um, It's a new book and she's presenting her theory that uh, action shapes thought much more than we think. We tend to think that thoughts and ideas, it's more about words, but she's proposing that thought uh, action plays a much bigger part. And again, I'm very early in it, so I can't talk much more about it, but looking forward to sharing a more detailed summary um, on Monday's show next week. So I wanted to start off today, though, with uh, something very important, a topic that I do discuss a lot. But because yesterday, September 10th, was World Suicide Prevention Day, I wanted to talk about suicide to start off the show And World Suicide Prevention Day was started by the World Health Organization. And there are so many stats, uh, statistics about suicide that are very heartbreaking. And one I saw today was that every 40 seconds someone dies from suicide, which is um, heartbreaking, but also points to how this is such an important issue for us to discuss. Uh, And the reason why it's important for us to discuss this is people tend to think well, if someone is going to do it, they're going to do it anyway. Uh, So what's the point of talking about it? Or also people tend to think suicide is a problem that affects others, as it is with lots of things, mental health in general, or even health issues. People think, well, that can never happen to me or never happen to us or someone I know. But unfortunately, so many individuals and families are affected by suicide. It's not something that affects just some people or something that anyone or any group or any type of people are immune to. It affects everyone. So we need to be aware of that and also be aware that if we talk about it, there actually can be a chance that we reduce uh, suicide. And in this case, when we talk about reducing suicide, we mean saving lives, which of course is very important. Uh, I've worked with a lot of families and when you talk to them about their kids, their teenagers, loved ones, and if you bring up suicide or if suicide is even discussed, very often people will laugh or think it's a joke or think it can't happen to us or of course that would never happen here or to me or to my son or my daughter but we can't look at it that way we have to be aware that it's a very real thing that does happen people get to that place where they feel that suicide is their best or their only option and unfortunately they do take their lives so we, we can't pretend like it's not going to happen to us or assume that because we have some factor, but whether we feel like, oh, we're financially, we're okay. So why would my son or daughter ever be suicidal? Or well, I see them joking or doing this? Why would they be suicidal? Or they have all these things to live for, to look forward to. Why would they be suicidal? But none of these things prevent suicide. People who are wealthy do commit suicide. People who have families commit suicide. People who have children commit suicide. It's something that affects, again, all people from different walks of life, from every uh, type of person that you can imagine can be affected by suicide. So we don't want to assume that it can happen to us, just like people do with other things. Well, I know sexual abuse happens, but it's never going to happen in our family. So I don't have to worry about my son or daughter being with any adult in our family because we're family and our family is not like others. But no, it happens, unfortunately, virtually everywhere. We have to be aware that anyone can be affected by these types of serious issues. And that's why One of my goals on this show is to talk about these taboo and stigmatized issues because I know that the more they remain taboo, the more people are affected and the more people suffer in silence. So when it comes to suicide, people, of course, if you are suicidal yourself, I hope you will reach out for help. Um, We often talk about how suicide can feel like a permanent solution to temporary feeling. And by temporary, I don't mean something new. Sometimes people have felt depressed for quite some time or felt down for quite some time, but that things can change. And that's hopefully people maintain some level of hope that there can be change and they can get help. But I know people can feel very down and feel like nothing can help or nothing will ever be better. And unfortunately, when we're depressed, we see things through that depressed lens, which means that we feel we're bad. The world is bad and the future is going to be bad. That's a uh, Aaron Beck's cognitive triad, I think is what it's called for depression. So we just don't feel very hopeful. And we know that hope is one of the biggest predictors of suicide or being hopeless can make people suicidal or lead to that or contribute to it. But I wanted to also talk about what people can do, loved ones, because most people feel very uncomfortable to talk about suicide In general, or to talk about suicide when they see someone is down, they don't know if they can, they don't know if they should, they feel lots of different things. So one myth that people tend to hold is they're afraid that, well, what if I bring up suicide and the person wasn't suicidal, but now I'm giving them this idea about suicide. So it's almost like we're afraid to introduce the idea or make them suicidal by asking the question. And this almost always seems to not be the case. If someone is really feeling down, the thoughts of suicide might come to them, but it's not that they never thought of it and you're going to introduce some idea to them. So we shouldn't be afraid to bring it up in the fears that we're going to push someone towards this. Uh, It doesn't seem that that virtually ever happens. I try to be uh, sometimes not absolute, but with this one we can be virtually absolute. You won't be pushing them towards it. They will just either be there already or they're not, and you're not going to push them there. Uh, People also get afraid, well, what if I bring this up? Will the person be offended? What if I say you're suicidal and they might think, oh, you think I'm that depressed? You think I'm that messed up or crazy? Or I would do something like that. Some people might have a slight reaction in this way, but most people don't. Most people will just feel like you are concerned about them, that you are worried about them and so you're asking them if they're at that point yet and what i've talked about before is when you have that conversation if you bring up let's say your friend or your family members very down crying to you or telling you about how down they've been or something going on in their life and you get concerned and this thought comes to you what if they've considered harming themselves hurting themselves killing themselves and if you bring it up if they are not uh, suicidal Well, then they might they might laugh or think, "Oh, I didn't, I haven't even gotten to that point. I'm not there at all." Um, It's interesting. You thought I was there, but I'm not. But they'll probably feel like, "Okay, at least you care." But what's really important is now, if they ever are feeling that way, what you have shown them is that it's okay for them to talk to you about this topic, that they don't have to be afraid to talk to you about suicide or if they're having these thoughts, because you've shown your capable of having that conversation. So you've essentially created a bridge between you and them, that this is a road that can be crossed. You can talk to me about this. And that can be very valuable, uh, even if they're not feeling that way at that point, that maybe in the future, if they ever are, that's possible. And also you've created a type of connection with them that we can talk about these kinds of things. And of course, if they are suicidal, if they are at that point, then you could be potentially saving their lives or helping them get the help they need to no longer be in that state. So really, it's, it's a tough conversation. It can make us feel uncomfortable. It can make us feel lots of things. But when we look at it, there's the cost is the uncomfortable conversation, but the benefits are potentially saving their lives or creating a connection that might help them in the future and showing them that you care. So I hope people will not be afraid to have these conversations. Uh, oftentimes, we can be in denial. So I've worked with parents and Even their kids will sometimes say something. The kid might say, oh, I just want to kill myself, or I don't want to live anymore, and goes to their room. And the parents, of course, are freaked out by what they said, but they almost don't want to make it real, so they don't want to talk to their kid. They say, you know what? He just said something, but he's not thinking about doing anything, so let's not even bring it up. I'm not even going to mention it. I'm not even going to say. Maybe he'll be embarrassed if I bring it up, and it's not even true, so let's not even talk about it. And all cultures do this, but Iranians were very good at denial. So we think that if we pretend like something never happened, somehow it just disappears. So if our son or daughter talks about suicide, just never bring it up again and they'll forget about it. Nothing will happen and just we'll forget about it. But unfortunately, that sometimes is not the case. And so what I always tell parents is if your kid and really even adult, if they say uh, something about feeling suicidal or threatening to commit suicide always take it seriously. And what that means is you don't have to immediately call 911 and call the authorities to come do something. But it means that you're going to talk to them about it. You're going to have a conversation about it. So you're going to say, you know, you mentioned that you wanted to kill yourself or whatever they said. And that concerned me. I wanted to know how you're doing. And maybe sometimes they'll say, oh, no, I was just angry in the moment and I said something, but I'm not thinking about that at all. And you say, okay, well, I just want you to know you always can't tell me, but I, of course I get concerned when you say those kinds of words because I worry about how you're doing and I would never want something to happen to you, so I'm here for you. And of course, again, if they are suicidal now, you know that you'll have to intervene in some way, get some help, um, do something. We, we obviously just don't want to ignore it. We have to address the situation. Denial is not going to make things go away. It's just our defense of trying to avoid facing something that we're too afraid to face. We're too afraid of what might be the truth and the reality that what if our child really does feel that way? What if our loved one, whoever it is, is feeling that? But we can't let the fear win. We can't let the denial determine how we act, especially when we're talking about something that is life or death, literally life or death. We we don't want to avoid that conversation. We want to tell them that they can talk to us, they can get help. Another concern people have is they think, well, what if I ask them about Suicide, or even just in general, trying to get into someone's emotional issues. Well, I'm not a therapist. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle it? How will I know what to say? And there are resources online. I think I was seeing something yesterday called the uh, Columbia Protocol, which gives some guidance on what you can say to someone that might help you if they are suicidal and some questions you can ask, and you can just follow those questions. But as is the case with anything. If you ask someone about whatever they're going through, we're not supposed to solve it for them. You don't have to think that if someone is suicidal, you are supposed to save their life by actually doing everything. That sometimes does happen. People can lean on one person or one person can want to feel like their hero and save them and feel like they should do everything. But this is not actually the responsible thing to do and it's not your responsibility on what to do. You have to actually let them get help or help them get help potentially, but not be the one that's doing the saving. It's just like if someone tells you my house is on fire, you're not going to go over there with cups of water and a hose and try to put out the fire yourself. You're going to help them get help. You're going to call 911 and send a fire truck to their house to put out the fire, but you're not the one that has to do it. Similarly, if your loved one feels suicidal, you don't have to save them all yourself Even if you're a therapist, you're not going to be the one that does it all on your own. If I'm talking to someone and they're suicidal, that's a friend or a loved one, I'm not going to be the one that thinks I have to do everything to fix it. I know they're going to need some bigger help. They might need emergency help in that situation, but also long-term help as well. So don't feel that pressure that you have to be the one. Help them get the help they need. But by having that conversation, you might potentially save their lives because Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, a lot of times people think, well, if someone's going to do it, they're going to do it. But we know that very often people are very close to suicide or they're not sure about it or they're thinking about it and they can be stopped. Many people even have expressed regret. People who have attempted suicide but not died have said that when they attempted or when they started the attempt, whatever it was, sometimes jumping off buildings, sometimes taking pills, whatever they were doing to try to end their life, they often instantly regretted it. So people will share stories that as soon as they did it, they wish they didn't, which is so heartbreaking to think that unfortunately some people or many people don't survive when they're in that situation and they feel that way. But it's a reminder that people are not so sure as we think. There might be some people that get to that point. Maybe you can't change their mind. But very often what's the case is that people can be persuaded, especially if they feel some connection, if they feel some hope, if they feel something, they need to feel that. Sometimes you'll hear stories of someone who talked someone off of a bridge and it wasn't that they gave them some perfect psychological advice or uh, changed their whole view about the world, but they just listened. They just talked to them for a few minutes, talked to them. Even sometimes I've heard some stories about someone who was on a bridge and they started talking about different things and then talking about sports and just regular things and it made the person feel different, felt connected in some way, and then they didn't jump. So just talking, just listening can be very powerful. You don't have to put the pressure on yourself that you have to do so much, or give the perfect speech, or not say anything wrong. And the reason why I say this is that because when people feel that much pressure, they just avoid it altogether. If you think that if I ask this question, I'm then going to have to perform superhuman acts and things that I'm not capable of, well, then you're going to avoid asking the question. But I really hope people will not be afraid to ask, to not think that, well, everything is just going to be okay, which is our default, is to just assume things are okay, or again we want to deny that maybe something is going on and we hope it goes away but we want to face that because unfortunately we lose too many people every year to suicide and it's not something that we can't do anything about we can make more efforts to make it okay to talk to reach out to people if you see someone who needs help or if you're afraid someone is not doing well don't be afraid to ask asking Uh, will show that you care and again it literally can be the difference between life or death you might be saving their life by having that conversation and if you are yourself feeling that way feeling depressed I hope you will seek out help and realize that although things might feel a certain way you might feel stuck feel like things could never get better many people have had that experience but have changed or things have changed for them where they don't feel that way anymore and so I hope every day every year we can work towards Reducing the Lives That Are Lost to Suicide. It's a topic that because I try to cover mental health issues, I discuss often on the show, but especially yesterday being World Suicide Prevention Day. We wanted to talk about it again today. All right, going into our first commercial break, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamro, you're on the air. Doctor. Hi. Thanks for calling.
0: Uh, thank you. Um, I have uh, I've been married uh, for over ten years with my husband, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, have a daughter together. Uh, she's nine, and um, uh, uh, lately I decided to get a divorce. Um, but um, it's been a week uh, I made this decision, and uh, I'm going to see a lawyer tomorrow. But since then, I've lost my sleep at night. I I have so much fear and uh, so much boredom and uh, and anxiety Mm -hmm. to the point that uh, in the daytime, uh, I don't feel like to see nobody, not even talk to my daughter. I just want to send her to school. And um, it it really is, uh, I don't know, maybe because I'm still not ready or I don't have the guts to do that, but um, I but at the same time, I really want to um, yeah, end this marriage. Um, uh, when I discuss this with uh, my parents, um, of course my dad my dad wants me to stay in a marriage and uh, my mom is in the opposite side. Um, I um I feel like if I uh, do this, I, I help myself. Uh, but at the same time i feel like uh i may end up getting nothing and walk out free and uh but i feel like i don't have any peace uh if i stay in this marriage
1: hmm okay when you say you walk out with nothing what do you mean
0: um i i don't know i always uh, i don't know i just think financially and uh because he had this um divorce experience before once uh i feel like um uh i ended up walking out you know empty hand
2: okay
0: Uh, that's the only fear i have um oh and the other fear is to be lonely um if i file a divorce and get a divorce i don't want to start any relationship at all and just want to you know continue focus on myself and then my daughter but um i don't know i have so much in my brain that it won't allow me to get and sleep at night uh, I get I wake up every couple hours and uh, have a nightmare and I rather to stay up at the night time uh, so I don't
2: know yeah
1: well that I mean it, it sounds obviously pretty bad what you're going through uh, and it's not clear what's bringing up all those feelings of course going through something so major like divorce or deciding about a divorce is it, going to bring up a lot of feelings and um you know throw you off but i'm i wanted to know first when you said you want to get out of this marriage what makes you want to leave the marriage what's not working for you or what are your reasons it's for nice. divorce no
0: it's not it's, there are so many issues and i um uh, try to uh, we uh, we went to many therapy sessions and uh but at the end all the advice that he's the person that he will never change and uh, i have to make a decision um, I tried to stay, unfortunately, that was my biggest mistake, that I, I thought if I stay in the marriage, uh, it will improve, but uh, it got worse, and um, I feel like by staying in the marriage, we are hurting our daughter because she's witnessing our arguments, or fighting, and um, I don't want that to happen to her anymore, so uh, I know she's already down because of the situation. So I'm trying uh, to see what works best. Uh, and I don't know if, if I'm going to see the attorney tomorrow, uh, that was a good decision, or should I start this um, therapy session before I go and see anyone, uh, any attorney, yeah. I like a well,
1: I mean, you want to make sure, obviously, if you're filing for the divorce, um, that you feel the you're very sure about your decision because it seems like if you're not sure, obviously it's probably good not to go forward with it. Um, but even when I asked you what you don't like, you did say you don't like your husband not trying to make any changes, but I didn't understand what are the issues that you have with him? What are the problems?
0: Um, problems are, um, that, um, he's, um, His family, that is his mom, his sister, and his um, um, kids from the previous marriage are the priority, and he always said um, they are the most important things in their life, and my daughter as well, so I'm always, uh, you know, on the bottom of his list, but um, the thing is he tried to, he doesn't communicate with me on anything, It's just high and by and just mostly t- and talking with my daughter and um, about school and classes and um, uh, lately I find out that um, his um, daughter is accepted to um, dental school and he's providing the he's paying for the school and then I asked him like how much do you pay he said oh you don't need to know you don't have to know it's not your place to know, and uh, it's between me and her mom, and you stay out of it. And I feel like I'm, I I feel so offended by him when he said talk, like he's, he was talking to me that way, um, because after all these years, he still cannot trust me, and um, he cannot discuss this thing with me. Of course, I would get upset, it's like, what, because he just tried to limit our lifestyle, in order to provide a good comfortable life for the other kids but they are the grown-up kids and, and my only concern was why are you so like acting so stranger to me you know and uh, I feel like um, he doesn't want to communicate and no trust and um, he, he, he he hides many things from me and uh, that's why I said well then why am I here you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And something you mentioned earlier was that uh, you were hoping things would change in the marriage. And this is, you know, something we always tell people to be aware of, that whatever issues you're having with the person, you should imagine they're only going to get worse. But very often, unfortunately, people think, well, this is an issue now, but we'll get married and it's going to go away. But really the opposite happens. Uh, Because it seems like you never were that close to him or connected to him, but you were hoping with marriage that would change. But you do have to also ask yourself, were you afraid to get that close to him or were you afraid to be close to anyone and there was something about him that felt okay but now he keeps pushing you away and, and you're not feeling okay in this marriage Um, because it seems like he's been the same for these 10 years from what you're saying. It's not that things have changed so much but that the hiding continues. Yes.
2: Okay.
0: Well, well, before marriage he was much better but okay. uh, after marriage he got worse. I mean, hmm. I don't know. Uh, especially after having my child, um, he changed drastically. So um, the reason I'm calling today is um, what I can do to help myself. off I mean, I want to, I am, I want to get divorced because um, one time even I heard from my daughter that please do not do that, and I, I want you guys to stay together and this and that, and uh, I explained to her that, you know, this is not good for you, you need to have a happy mommy and daddy, and we, we still love you, and, you know, I gave her all the support, but still she wants, she'd rather to stay, with us. I mean, she rather to see us stay in the marriage than we go mm-hmm. separate, and she was begging me that, mommy, please don't do that, it's only me and a couple of my friends in my class that their parents are not divorced, please don't do that, and... Uh, i always have that guilty feeling what if i do that and she's gonna be you know she. i don't know it's gonna affect her i'm sure it will affect her yeah she may see me as a bad person here
1: she might you know and you know i don't know the extent of how bad things are but you know what you're trying to figure out is what's the better of these bad situations if you guys get divorced of course she'll be affected she won't like it and Almost always. I have seen it sometimes sometimes when the kids are older where they actually will say, I'm okay with you guys getting divorced or I want you to get a divorce. But usually the kids, even when the relationship is bad, they don't want divorce because divorce to a child is going to be scary, there's going to be change, and they often fear they're going to lose one or maybe in some way in their head both of their parents, and it can be very scary. And there's this dream or fantasy of always wanting the family to be happy together that they lose And so we should expect that most of the time, if you ask the kids about divorce, they're going to say no, very rarely in some extreme cases. And again, usually if they're older, maybe in teenagers and can see the situation better and maybe themselves have become more into their own life, they might be more okay with it, but usually they're going to be against it. So I wouldn't, I would, of course, talk to her, listen to her, have conversations with her, but not make her make the decision. You know, you have to make the decision as the adult of what's the right thing to do. Um, and you're right, she might see you as the bad guy, and her dad even more might paint you that way too, especially if he doesn't want the divorce and you do. So you have to be ready for that uh, and to take that as well. And so you have to be very clear about the decision. That's why I was saying uh, you know, you mentioned yourself that you're thinking of going to therapy to, to get more clarity on this. I think that would be a good idea and throughout the process because it's going to make you bring up a lot of feelings and if till you feel clear on what you want to do it'll be hard for you too because you're you've shared your own fears of being lonely if you divorce and you have to actually be ready that you will be feeling more lonely for some time or you have to deal with some change and separation
0: well i already i already feel lonely yeah
1: i was, I, I was thinking that too we never yeah.
0: had anything together like um, traveling or mm-hmm. a date night, nothing. So I always feel so lonely in the marriage. So as um, but I feel like, like you said, yeah. I I feel like I will be more miserable after getting divorced. Mm-hmm. I always uh, look at the negative side of getting divorced than maybe some positive aspects. So I don't know. I have a very confused feeling here. Yeah. But, well, and also and at the I, beginning,
1: I, you have to deal more with the negatives than. Whatever the positives are, the positives are the possibility for something different in the future, or just leaving a bad situation. So you might feel some relief if you guys are fighting a lot, but overall, it's going to be a lot of stress and change, and dealing with the divorce and court and all these kinds of things and custody. It's just a lot to deal with. So yeah, it's going to be tough, and there does seem to be some fear you have of being alone. Um, And so the reason why I think therapy could also be good is that you have to learn a lot first of all get clarity on the decision and then try to understand what made you be with him for 10 years or to be attracted to him and to marry him if he's the way you're describing him to get a better sense of what what's going on there because that'll probably uh, teach you a lot about yourself or there's things you can learn about yourself there as well but also to come to a better place with this because it does seem like you're going to have your own experience and then you're going to have an experience as a mother and see what your daughter is going through that will affect you as well. And that's going to be a lot to deal with. And I, I wouldn't expect you to want to just try to handle it all by yourself.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much. Good
1: luck. Yeah, I think I think it would be make a lot of sense to go to therapy now to get that clarity first. I mean, I know you have that appointment with the lawyer tomorrow. That's up to you, obviously, how to proceed with that. But if you're not clear on what you want to do and feel okay then it might not be good to get started on that. But just also know very likely with any kind of huge decision, rarely do you feel perfectly okay, 100%. It will always likely be challenging or uncomfortable to go forward with that next step because of that uncertainty. So obviously it's up to you, but I'd highly recommend speaking with someone, seeing a therapist to help you through making this decision and then also what you're doing after that.
0: So do you think I have to cancel uh, my appointment and first I uh, just get some fashion with therapist then uh, well, I don't want to make
1: that you know decision for you because it's such a big one um yeah. and you have to really think about it It's just you have to see how are do you feel okay going forward with this if you know because you're gonna have to face everything that comes with it which is fine but you have to be ready for that um and, and the reason why it's complicated is because like I said something like this at times it'll never feel perfectly easy or okay you might always feel very uncomfortable or nervous about it even if it is the right choice and so that's what makes these things hard is that you might not have a hundred percent clarity at any point um, if you're not so sure if you're not ready to face your daughter with this or face what's going on then that's gonna be your decision to make of if you want to postpone it or do what you can because also when you go to therapy it's not that if you go once everything is gonna be clear to you you know it's gonna be part of a process I just think it'd be good for you to go through it no matter what whether you make the appointment tomorrow or with the lawyer if you go tomorrow or not I think going to a therapist to help you through this process will be very important.
0: Right. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Good
1: luck. Nice talking to you.
0: Thank you. Okay.
1: Bye. Bye. All right. We've reached another commercial break. Studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello.
3: Hello, can yes. you meet? Yes,
1: I can. Thanks for calling.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to sure. me. Uh, I don't know where I can start it. <laughs> and, uh, I got a second marriage with the, the, you know, I'm Persian, uh, with the American guy who grew up here in the south of America, I mean, uh, Houston. Then um, he's a the military. Uh, normally when we get something uh in not comment, he is laughing like uh, overall, and not even talk, and act like uh, nobody's home. As, uh, that bother me.
1: You're saying when you guys have, t- you want to have an, a discussion or something, he gets that
2: way?
3: No, if something's not in com- for example, if uh, if something happened that he doesn't like, or or he asked me to do something, or, I mean, something that's like not in his... Uh, what I said idea that I'm not uh, following uh, He's just taking, he's overwhelmed and not talking to me, not even eat with me and all this. And we are married for four years and we went, knew each other for about 10 years. We both had the children. And they um, they grow and they out. I'm like 54, uh-huh. and he's 57.
1: Okay. So one thing you're you're saying is he, uh, although you're saying he's not Persian, he does what Persian, sometimes we call khair. When he's upset, he just kind of shuts down or doesn't talk to you at all and pulls away. You
3: no, know, no, he does. He he just act like I'm not exist. Right. That's not what I mean. Yeah.
1: So he does. Yeah. He just ignores you. Yeah,
3: well, he's military, actually. Maybe that's why he's F-15 pilot. Maybe that.
1: Okay, well, it could be part of that, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it's, it would be a generalization, but we we can say sometimes people of that um, background might be more likely to hold things in or not want to talk about feelings as much, but that doesn't have to be true for everyone. But it seems like he might be that way. So if he's upset, rather than talk about it, he just ignores you. It's what we would call a passive-aggressive approach. He shows you his anger by ignoring you, rather than telling you what he feels. Yeah. Okay. How long it's have a- you How long have you been married with him?
3: i about a five. Four, four years. Four years. Yes. Okay. We are in five years, but okay. we we've been together after divorce. Like mm, now, it's thirteen years, but. Uh,
1: Okay, so what are you hoping to do? You seem like you. Um... I don't.
3: I don't I want to know the act because this has happened like hundreds of times. Yeah. Even when we were married, he, I was called like ten times, and something like a misunderstanding happened. And he's not. He didn't answer the phone. He's not communicating very well. Okay. He's, he has a lack of communication, but. Uh, but lack of communication maybe with me, because I'm seeing when we are in some meeting that they have with their, um, you know, for sure, the only social life that he has in in his Air Force, then uh, uh, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, he's a good guy, but I don't know what I act to to. to he's not getting advantage of this uh, situation that anytime he wants to upset okay and he's not coming to talk to me mm-hmm. how we can solve it he's just taking that action which is uh, get the, get me to uh, you know obey him or your uh, uh, what do you call it demanding me or dominating me okay. with this but because because my idea and um, I believe peace and um good relationship. Uh, that's why I don't like to be like that. And I am always the one who just could step
1: forward. and. Well, that's, yeah, that's the problem is that it's complicated. It's not that there's an easy solution, but when you, it seems that when he, something happens, he gets upset, he shuts down and he keeps, he puts a wall between you and him. He ignores you and that starts to make you feel anxious and not feel good. So, You give in to what he wants to then make him, to get him back. But then you don't feel good about that either because now you've given him what he wanted. And unfortunately, what you do is you reinforce this communication style. That when he ignores you, that he then gets what he wants from you. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to know
3: what attitude I have to get to. To give him a lesson, hey, that's not the right way to do it. Sure,
1: and it's not about necessarily teaching him a lesson. I can understand what you're saying, but we don't need to play a game back. But you you have to probably be more direct with him. You can let him know. And like I said, I don't want you to think this is going to be an easy solution because it's been years of you and him communicating a certain way, and also it seems like probably even more years that that's how he communicates. So it's going to be tough to change um, that. But you have to let him know. It seems that you don't want to talk. But I want us to talk about this issue. So whenever you're ready, we're, I want us to talk about it. But don't just give him what he wants. And you might have to tolerate him being uh, separate from you and not being there. But then also when things are better, I'm imagining you've talked to him about this, but you guys have to talk about this issue that you're not okay with the way he communicates and that he shuts down when things are not okay. So, okay. For, yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I whatever you're saying,
3: I did it like it times or more mm-hmm. on the same ten because maybe 100 times mm-hmm. i talked to him i said look this is even in this situation when we get calmed down when we have a good nice and peaceful relationship i start talking to him and say hey will i love you i love you even you i love you the way you are but this is not the way that always you are putting your step anytime even when i'm Trying to talk stuff like this, he walk away. He's running away from the talk, even about it. He yeah. doesn't want to talk, or he was uh, changing the subject, or reacting like oh, okay, but he's not saying okay. Yeah. Uh, look like, but, but he, he, you know, he's doing it again and again and mm-hmm. again, and uh, and that's bother. Of course, and so no, no now like about 10 days he's not talking to me
2: yeah that was that
3: we were we were traveling in somewhere we had a good time in the way back i was drove back and he wants to go straight to home I, and then this, i was trapped I, it's something stupid i mean we said okay let's drop my mom and then we go home and he was falling asleep it, maybe that was my fault and and i i I just said, okay, I go, but if he was he did something stupid and that makes us to uh leave the connection, not then he's not talking to me. The okay. problem Well let me stop you there for
1: a, for a second because not, hold on one second. Yeah. So um one thing I also wanted to bring up, I know you're saying he doesn't want to talk about things or and it could feel like he doesn't care. But usually when people are the way you're describing him, it's actually because they can't handle it and almost they care too much. So they do some research when they show couples who are fighting. And there's something we call stonewalling, which is what he's doing, which is where one person just completely checks out. So a classic example is a husband and wife are having a fight. They're going back and forth, back and forth. And then the husband gets to a point where he just can't take it anymore and he just watches the TV and the wife will still be talking, but the husband won't even look at her, and he just watches the TV, completely ignoring her. And if you look at that interaction, the way the wife will feel is that he doesn't even care. He doesn't care about me, and he is so calm and relaxed and doesn't care at all. But actually, if we measure things like his heart rate, we'll see that his heart is going really fast, meaning that he's actually overwhelmed. It's not that he doesn't care. It's actually he's just too emotional too. Uh, Too much is going on inside of him to handle the situation. So he's checking out. Now it would be much better if he communicates that I'm getting overwhelmed or this is too much. Let's take a break. But it's actually that he's feeling too much, not too little. Um, Unfortunately with your husband, it seems that he just can't tolerate these conversations at all when they become about conflict or emotions or not feeling good. And so he goes to that place and doesn't tell you anything. And you've mentioned the word peace a few times. It seems that you don't like the conflict feeling and things are not okay. So eventually you give in. And so this pattern has continued. But I can see how you're very unhappy about this pattern. And it doesn't seem like he is willing to make any changes or at least hasn't so far. So it's frustrating for you. That That's understandable. Yeah, but
3: is this? you know, my, uh, okay, the, the question is, I'm doing the same. I think that's wrong.
1: What do you I'm mean the same? Myself,
3: because when he's, he's not talking to me, and then I said, okay, you know, okay, I'm not talking. When I cook and put the food out for him, he's not touching it. And, but something important happened. I have to talk to him. For example, something, we have to make a decision of it in the life. And, and that minute, and next day, they're going to come and do something. I have to know what his opinion is. And he's 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 not talking. And even I write it down and said, for example, tomorrow this is going to happen. Are you agree with it? Are they coming? And you know he's not saying the answer. I, mean, I think I don't know. Is this the right way that I'm doing to writing it down? You know, I wanna I wanna give myself a, a knowledge. What attitude is the best to do in this situation? Be normal like you talk to him even he's No, I mean me. I
1: think you have to let him be know normal. you're I think you have to let him know you're not okay with how things are. And oh, okay. I, I mean and just but not, you know, not and don't make your goal how do I just get him to talk because I think that's what you you are feeling is like if I can make him talk I'll do anything, any technique, any method. But to me always the best method is to be honest and you just let him know, look, this is not okay for me if we don't talk for 10 days. We need to talk about what's going on. We have to either resolve the issue or deal with it. Of course, sometimes we need a little bit of time to cool down, you know, an hour, or even if we really get upset, maybe we say, I need to sleep on it. Let's talk tomorrow, but not 10 days. It's not something that's going to work. And so you have to also ask yourself, are you okay with how the marriage is going? Is this okay for you? Because it doesn't seem like it is. Um, And I'm not saying for you to make a threat because I don't like threats, but it's about being real that's saying... If you really feel like this is not okay, you have to let him know that I can't handle this. This doesn't work for me, and see what he says. He might say it's all your problem, yes. but
3: he said he said I have the same feeling. It's not work for me too. Okay. And, so and, what does he
1: want to do about it? What do you guys want to do if it's not working for both of you?
3: He thought everything is a, you know. He's he's never being guilty. You know. You know. What? He's just he, he thought it's not my fault you know because uh, because his action was after what i did but the both action was wrong the, the difference was i did it first and he did it second if it's wrong it's wrong yeah and if i did something wrong why you did it sometimes?
2: sure
1: if now if he you says know. you're right if, if, if i agree with that if he's saying he's unhappy and you're saying you're unhappy then why have you guys not tried marital therapy
3: yeah he's he never want to go to therapy. That was uh, uh, like years ago. I asked, "Let's go to the therapy." Since when his daughter was living with us, he had more problem. Now his daughter, like uh, three years ago, he moved to college in Colorado. Then the, the Academy of Air Force, which is he wanted. This is was the way. This is not the situation. I don't want to. Yeah, we
1: don't have to, to get I into have- that. But okay, so you brought it up yeah. before, and he said no.
3: Okay, he is. uh, I want to know what I have to do. I want to know. I don't want to get sick, you know, doctor. I just, I'm. I am feeling that. Oh my God, this is maybe affect. I am very normal person. You used to be, and I, I, I don't want that to affect it to my, uh, you know, my mental issues.
1: Well, of course, it's. It already has affected you. But here's the thing: you're asking me, what can you do? to make someone that doesn't want to talk to me talk to me. And there's not so much you can do if he doesn't want to do something, we can't I, force I I don't him.
3: want him to talk to me. What is the right way to do to to make the relationship
1: better? But I'm, what I'm saying is that if he's not willing to communicate with you, you can't have a good relationship. And he has to be willing. You know, you can't do everything yourself in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Both of you have to be contributing to the relationships are very hard even when both people are trying but if you feel from what you're sharing with me that he's not willing to try then you can only do so much and you're talking about you don't want to get affected or have mental health issues related to this but you know you you can't carry a relationship for both people and if you feel he's not willing to talk if he's always wanting to act the way that you're saying he does, it doesn't seem... No, but it seems like there's not much of a relationship from what you're telling
3: me. He always... He's good when I am going forward and kiss him and hug him and then always be the one who just, uh, you know, like a little dog holding him and then uh, provide everything, you know, act like nothing happened. You're the best and Mm -hmm. love you. Yeah, if if I do that... He's get back to the normal relationship.
1: And that's why I don't want you to think that, how do I make things okay? Because see, what you're talking about is you're just continuing a pattern that doesn't make you feel good, but makes you guys at least okay or back to some kind of normal. But it's really not normal. You're still upset. You're hurt. You're not feeling good. And it seems like he has a very difficult time with vulnerability of expressing himself or of saying he needs you. If you go forward and give him a hug and hold him, he'll accept it. But it doesn't seem like he can share with you what he needs from you or what he wants. And so he just shuts down. And I can understand that for you, it's very difficult to to be with him when he's like that so much of the time. And that's why you have to think about what you want. You can either say, this is how he is. I can accept it. I can try to make it a little bit better, but maybe only so much. Or if you're not okay with it, you can try to make some kind of change either with him or even when it comes to the marriage itself but there's no magic way of getting him to talk to you or if you act this way all of a sudden he opens up it seems like the things you want from him i don't want to say he's incapable like it's impossible but it's very difficult for him to be the way that you'd like for him to be which is more open to communicate more to share his feelings to share your feelings to mm-hmm. listen to it's you
3: It's forward that at least all them is how, what can I do to make him of one-time <laughs> step forward? You can, you, you, well, you
1: can let him know I want this from you, that it doesn't feel good to me that I always am the one that steps forward. But I think, you know, you are not being, uh, you said step forward. I was also, also saying straightforward. You have to be even more forward with him about how you feel. And he might not be able to handle any of it, but at least you'll know. You know, you can tell him, I don't feel good that I always have to take the first step. It doesn't feel good to me the way things go. This doesn't work for me. You might have to be more direct with him, which might result in things getting even worse before they either get better or the relationship even ends. But either you have to accept him as he is, the way he is seems to be that. I'm not saying he can't change, but only he can change himself. Or you either have to make some kind of push that, you know, this is not okay. Or even you can leave the marriage. But there's no... I don't want you to put this pressure on yourself that you have to say something. Now, one thing I want you to keep in mind, though, from your side is how well do you actually listen to him and communicate from your side? We don't want to blame everything on him. And even in our communication at times, for example, you made it difficult for me to say what I was saying. So if you want to hear him, you have to make sure you're giving him the space to listen to him too. So when he's telling you things, how do you respond? If he says something about his feelings or being upset, if you react really harshly, then he's going to tell you even less. So I don't want us to just say that if you guys have communication issues, it's 100% about him. It could also be from your side. What are you doing, if anything, that's making it harder for him to open up? And that could help you as well. But at the end, it could be that he just really doesn't want to have the kind of communication that you want. Either he's not capable of it. He doesn't like it, whatever it might be. But you're going to keep feeling like you're trying to drag two people when you really can just only walk for yourself. You can't carry him too. And so you need more from him. You have to see if he'll give it to you or not. If he's not going to, then you have to really think about what you're doing in this marriage.
3: Oh. What do you mean, Doctor? What, I didn't get this. Which you part? Didn't, the last
1: part. Well, if you don't if you're telling me you're unhappy in the marriage then of course leaving the marriage is a possibility. I'm not suggesting you should do that, but you have to look at that possibility.
3: You know, doctor, everything is percentage. There is not
2: 100%. Okay.
3: I know for sure for my age and then I, I like to be married. I like to have somebody to be with. But I I know he is not the 100% the person that I want, even maybe not 50 or 60. 60, maybe not sixty percent. Maybe it's fifty percent. But in somehow, uh, I have to tell you, Here, uh, he is a good guy. He is honest. I'm not he saying is. he's
1: a bad guy. You know,
3: those those are so, I know. I exactly sure. Know I,
1: but I'm saying he might not be the right guy for you. I'm, oh yeah. Yeah. That, I'm not. I'm just saying. Uh, but if you if you say I want to be married, I don't want to be alone, and so because of that, I'll stay with him. That's up to you. But then you have to be willing to accept that he might not be what you're saying you can try to make things better um but you have to if I, like i was saying to me it's you have to communicate more directly with them more more clearly with them don't play the game don't play the game that everything is okay when it's yeah. not
3: doctor, doctor if this is happening like this what you think is am i need to end it quickly or just for example now it's 10 days it's better we like after two days not talking well not of course to yeah it? to me
1: to me it doesn't make sense 10 days of not talking unless something huge happened like I mean but even still not talking is not okay for 10 days something's wrong and so you I
3: mean, I mean what uh, sorry excuse me I mean it's it's sometime uh, when I when this happened like a one day or takes like it's three weeks maybe we didn't talk and I was as always I was and said, "Look, and after we get the relationship come back to normal," I said, "Hey, babe, I, if if I didn't step forward to come to you and talk to you, is that was in your mind to come to me and talk to me, or, or if the answer uh-huh. is yes, when where was that would would be happen?" He was. The answer was quiet no answer well that's and that's that's my concern
1: look you know we, we we've way past the commercial break i want to wrap up with you so just hang on the line we'll talk a few minutes after the break okay okay
3: honey thank okay.
1: you so much <laughs> okay sure all right we'll be right back welcome back before the break we're with the caller let's go back to her now caller are you still there
3: Yes, I am here, doctor.
1: Yes, so we were talking about your relationship with your husband and the communication is not how you want it to be. You say that he will shut down and won't talk to you. Even right now, you said it's been 10 days, which is very, you know, that's a a big deal. That's not something minor. Um, And it's not clear where he is coming from. I said, you know, he can get overwhelmed. It seems like he can't handle emotional conversations. He also, you acknowledge that he does not say he makes mistakes or say sorry so that also makes it hard for him to have those communications but I don't think you feel very emotionally cared for by him or that he's really there for you yep and and that's something for you to ask yourself what attracted you to someone who's that way and are accepting that I, I agree with you no one is 100% um, but it does seem like there's some pretty significant things that are missing in this relationship that you at least consciously think you want but maybe unconsciously you got attracted to him. And even before the break, you were talking about not wanting to be alone when you said you know you want to be married, but it's interesting you've picked a partner who makes you feel very alone, even when you're with him.
3: That's, that's,
1: that's correct. So that those are some of the things I think it's good for you to think about. I know you're trying to figure out a solution, and it's not going to be easy no matter what you decide to do. If you want to be with him, You might have to accept that this is how he's going to be. You can communicate to him that you want something to be different, but he might not change. He might not want to change. And that's actually the first thing that would need to be there. But it doesn't seem like he has that desire that, you know, if you told me he says, yes, he, he does this, but he says, I want to change. I want to work on it. That would be different. But when you're talking about someone who doesn't even want to change, to hope for that change is really hoping for a lot.
3: I think that was the second one is the right one. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to change.
1: Yeah. And that that's what I'm saying. It's, it's hard to change when people want to change. You know, people go to therapy themselves trying to change themselves, and it's very difficult. But when someone doesn't want it and we want them to change, and if someone thinks we're the problem, not them.
3: Um, Doctor. Yes. Doctor, um, the one positive thing that uh, I, I was just crossed my mind, I was getting back. It, it, from my memory, he gets m- much better after marriage. It's normally after marriage, people get worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the good good side of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was worse. Well,
1: much better. I mean, 10 days in a row is a lot of days, so I don't know what it was before. But, you know, one thing you've done maybe twice, maybe, and I'm not sure if it's even more, is when we talk about things that might make it seem like it's the wrong relationship, it's almost like you can't handle that, and then you go back to something good. Either you say, well, every no one's perfect, or right now you said, here's a really good thing about him, and I'm, I'm sure there's lots of good things about him. But it does seem that I think you're in this place that makes you very stuck because on one hand, you're unhappy with the relationship, but you're very afraid of ending it, of getting divorced. And so because I of mean- that, when that thought comes up of divorce, you want to come back to some way of saving things. Oh, you know what? Actually, every no marriage is happy. Nobody's perfect, which is true. Or you know what? He's gotten better actually since before. But I mean, if you're telling me 10 days we haven't talked and you don't just say, you know, it's kind of like we talk less. You're saying he completely ignores you as if you don't exist that's pretty major. That's not something small. That's, that's yeah, big. But,
3: yes, yes. You're right. But these this 10 days, I, if, I, if I continue, it maybe get more, more, more. And
1: actually, I think that's, I mean, yeah. you might have to <laughs> do days, that. You know, <laughs> you might have to let him, you know, see what happens if he, if you never say anything, which is, I think you're scared of that, that he literally would never come forward, which is very concerning that to him it's not important that you guys aren't talking. And also it's so important for him that you're the one that says, sorry, first, or that comes forward first, or that tries to hug him and make sure you show him, you feel like everything's okay. Then he can give you a little bit that that's really a problem. Yeah. And there are some tendencies in him that uh, lean towards narcissism of just seeing himself as right, yeah. or not, you know? Exactly. And so he, yeah. he's not going to want to yeah. see your side and, And usually, if it's someone like that, they're not going to want to change. So it it puts you in a very tough position. And I think you, in some ways, are choosing him and just choosing to suffer this way with him, because maybe that's easier for you than risking being alone. But then you want to just keep complaining about him. But at some point, you might have to accept, if you want to stay with him, that this is him, this is the man I chose to be my husband, and he's going to be this way. doesn't mean you have to completely give up, but you have to at some level accept him as, as who he is. He's not being someone different than who he was when you met. Even you're saying he might be slightly better now than before. So what, what did you expect?
3: But, but, you know, Doctor, I mean, I believe that nothing 100%. Maybe that I, I learned or just this is what, what my belief is about my faith that things can change and you can affect the things and change it. But I know you have to, you know, you have to spend a lot. You have to put a lot of yourself to change people. Yeah,
1: I mean, but I don't know. I mean, I do. I'm a very hopeful person, but to change change him, though, is not... Okay.
3: Is that possible to narcissism Uh, be a step back and just, change or
1: for well, example well hold on they, one they, one thing i don't want us to diagnose him i even i was the one that used the word so i understand but i'm just seeing some of the tendencies from what you're sharing i don't know him to to diagnose him look if your question is can people change of course they can but again they have to really want to change badly and unfortunately yes if he has is showing some of these signs that might be closer to narcissism they usually don't think they need to change they think everyone else is the problem not them so there's no feeling of need or desire to change because they don't even see themselves as a problem and it's very hard for them to see themselves as a problem so if you're saying 100% i can't tell you 100% he will never change no one can tell you that but the likelihood is very low and especially if he hasn't shown you any signs at all could something happen and he changes miraculously yes but I feel like you, again, are going to this place of this 100% because you don't want to make that decision. Even if you want to get a divorce, it's not 100%. It's the right decision. But either way, we can't say anything's 100%, and it makes it very easy for us to stay in the same place. Well, I don't like my job, and there's not 100% that the other job is better, and no job itself is 100%, so I'm going to stay at my job. And a lot of people do that because they're afraid of taking that step of ending something yeah. and not knowing what's going to happen. It's scary. But we we're very good at convincing ourselves of whatever we want to do or whatever we want not to do to keep things the same. And so I hear that in what you're saying at times is you're this is so bad. It's it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Well, what about divorce? Well, you know what? Nothing's 100% and he's actually better than he was 8 years ago. So, and that's up to you to keep that if you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But Either, like I said, you have to accept him as he is, or you have to make a change. But you're trying to do both. You want to not accept him and just be unhappy, but then also not try to do anything about it. And so you're just going to stay in this same cycle. You can call me back in 20 years and still be in the same place. Because probably things won't change, but probably you won't make a change either. So that's why I'm suggesting try to do something. Something has to change or you'll be in the same place. And it's not just that you can change him; you can communicate to him what you want, what you need. If he can't give that to you, then it's up to you to either accept he can't give it to me, and I'll accept it, or I want something else. Doctor,
3: what what's the reaction of the normal person in this situation?
1: Don't <laughs> well, I me. don't know what that means. The react, what, which norm are you talking about? For you or his reaction? <laughs>
2: no,
1: me. Well, most people are no, not going to like that.
2: Person,
1: the no, it doesn't matter. I mean, I just That's a human. Yeah, anyone doesn't like if their husband, wife doesn't talk to them for ten days, unless they also want that, and then maybe they're match made in some kind of heaven. But if most people are not going to want that, this is very unhealthy to not talk for ten days. It's not even—I mean, I don't know how it's a marriage, even if this is happening often. There's no but nothing when there. When
3: you asking him, he said, "Oh, she's
1: not talking to me by ten days." Okay, well, so do you try <laughs> to talk to him?
3: I didn't. No. Okay. Now I- if
1: you talk to him, I would say don't talk to him in an apologetic way, I'm so sorry or even lovey-dovey. You have to stand your ground to say, "Look, I don't think this is okay. I'm not happy about what whatever it is." Stand your ground and be firm. Don't just give in to him. But I think what you're doing is you're you've created a pattern with him. You guys don't talk, you don't like how it feels, so you whatever you said, you hug him, kiss him, make everything okay, and you guys pretend like nothing happened. You have to break the cycle. So and Again, I think you're a little bit afraid to break the cycle because it might go even worse. And so you're afraid of the conflict too. But you you have to either do something different or expect the same thing is going to happen. If you're waiting for him to change, it's not going to happen. So if you want to make a change, it's up to you. So yeah, I, you could talk to him. Look, this is not okay. We don't talk for 10 days. This is not marriage. What's going on? I don't like this. I'm hurt by what you did. I feel like if I never make the first step, you won't make the first step. And that doesn't feel good to me. And so you can be firm with him. He might not like it. So I'm not saying what I'm telling you to do is going to make him feel so happy and give you everything you want. He might even want to get a divorce if you talk to him in a certain way or if you act a certain way. And that's that can be OK, too. But if you want something different, you have to act different than what you've been doing. So, yes, you can be different in what you do. Maybe he'll act the same. Maybe he won't. But I wouldn't keep staying in the same place.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. OK, Well, yes. good luck.
3: But, yeah, one more thing that he is... Uh, but quick, I kind—I
1: have other people uh, that I want to get to, so... Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah.
3: Cool. Thank you so much. Yes, Thank nice you talking time. to you. It was very, very pleasure talking have to you. Have a great
1: day. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, going into another commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling.
4: Yes, hi. Thank you, doctor, for your time. My My 8-year-old daughter has a problem. She wants to talk to you.
1: Okay, so she wants to talk to me herself. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, Put her on.
4: Thank you, doctor. Hold on, please.
1: Hi. Hello. (laughs) Nice to talk to you.
4: Nice to
1: meet you, too. Oh. (laughs) Yes, very nice. Nice to meet you, and I get to meet you over the phone, hopefully someday in person. Now, your mom said that you wanted to talk to me yourself. I'm so happy you decided to do that. So tell me what's going on. So, today,
4: while I was at school,
1: um, the... That's okay. I think you pushed the button. That's all right. Okay.
4: So the so I was working in computer class. I didn't pay attention. Sometimes I actually daydream off.
2: Uh-huh.
4: And then and then at the end I was so confused what to do and nobody helped me and mm. the the computer teacher was being strict. Not really strict. And she told me to stop crying. But I didn't Hmm. want to cry. It's just some reason I cry about that. And I just like to be in the middle, a little bit behind, and
1: almost. Well, it doesn't doesn't feel good to be behind. behind. Yeah, well, it doesn't feel good to be behind, and then also especially it doesn't feel good if we don't feel like anyone will help us when we're we're feeling behind. So I can see how that made you worried, and then it seems like you didn't feel good, and you started crying, and then she made you feel worse because she said don't cry which doesn't feel good when we're crying
4: yeah something like that mm, okay and then a person helped me like one of my friends yeah. but then i think she, he was done he might be busy maybe of helping all the other people but he was busy that right mm-hmm. and then I was the only one behind. I was behinder than anyone. Even the slowest one in the class.
1: Oh. Even Nathan. Okay, well sometimes we can get, you know, when we get behind, it can be hard to catch up. I know it doesn't feel good, but sometimes that can happen. But it seems like you had a, you didn't have a good day at school today because of that.
4: Yeah, and then the bell rang. Yeah? And I still didn't finish it and nobody cared. Hmm. And they told me. To um, stop, stop. um Telling you to stop. Put away your computers and charge them. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I was not there. And I think it didn't save it.
1: Oh, so now you're worried about the work well, if it got saved.
4: Second person helped me a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. And but. I was still
1: behind. Well, you know, yeah. you know, you said how it seemed like no one cared. And, and maybe that's true, although I'm also wondering, they maybe didn't think it was a big deal. And they said, oh, it's okay, just put your computer away. But I think you were really worried about being behind.
2: Yeah.
1: Does it, does it really bother you if you get behind or if you feel like you get something wrong? Yeah, it really mm. bothers
4: me.
1: Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's tough. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to get it right. Right. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's why, That's when I was hearing your story, I thought, you know what, maybe they did care, but they just thought, oh, it's okay, she's just behind on this computer assignment, but we have to go so she can put her computer away. But to you, it seemed like they didn't care because they didn't realize how much it was bothering you. Yeah, and the
4: bell rang, so that was school over, and now I'm at
1: home doing my homework. Oh, wow, okay, so you're already doing your homework. It seems like you work really hard for school stuff.
4: Yeah, but sometimes Wednesdays should be the worst day, I realized. Because Wednesdays are short. Sometimes I like Wednesdays because I don't have to um, (laughs) do that much work. Mm -hmm. And my teacher forgot to do math, and I hated the math that we were doing
2: Uh so
4: bad. Because the math were really making me wander off. Because we will sit there like about 30 minutes on the rug, on the rug, Uh um, what we're doing, and I just like daydream off. I couldn't help it. And I also get confused on that part, but I remember some of the parts.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, you know, you mentioned the daydreaming. Everyone daydreams sometimes, but some people, they daydream more than other people. Like, it's, it's harder for them to stay focused, so they daydream more, and then it makes it hard for them to pay attention. And then, like you felt today, they can fall a little bit behind, and then because they don't understand, they feel even more confused, and they might daydream more. So I don't know if that happens for you. Do you feel like you daydream a lot or just sometimes in some classes?
4: Actually, a lot, hmm. that is. Yeah. But I'm not in art because art is pretty I focus a lot. Yeah. And on art it's kind of a little bit their instructions are shorter to tell telephone. Mm-hmm. So I don't really go behind and I don't really daydream because all the time when they're overing math, it's like thirty minutes longer so yeah. and I daydream and every single time Hmm. but on wednesday sometimes the teacher forgot to overdo math and that's when i really enjoy enjoy Mm -hmm. because i hate the math that we were doing it really bugs me because it takes me for an hour or 30 minutes oh wow
1: like to do the math homework
4: yeah, but I don't have any math there. She forgot it. So and yeah,
1: today you don't math. have it. I can see how you're happy about that—that that you don't have to do it today. And then, but then you probably have to do it again soon. What are you guys learning in math?
4: I'm um, a lot of stuff that's really hard for me, mm. and I had to daydream because it's really boring. Yeah. To just stay there for 30 minutes doing
1: nothing is really boring. I could see how it feels boring. And, you know, sometimes when we feel bored, it's like because something is boring. Or sometimes if it's really hard, sometimes if it's too easy, we get bored. And sometimes if it's too hard, we get bored. Because if it's too hard, we don't understand it. So we, like, just daydream. We stop paying attention because it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, okay, well, I can't even understand what's going on. And that's why sometimes it can help if we... Get some help. Maybe when it comes to math, your mom can help you or you guys can get a tutor. Maybe it'll help you. So if you're understanding it better, maybe it won't get so boring. But that's just something you can think about and also talk to your mom about. Maybe that'll help you.
4: But the bad news is you don't have a substitute in third grade. And she didn't even hire any. Uh And this is also the thing that I don't really like. Sometimes, tomorrow, I'm going to have math again because we forgot the lessons. Right. And we also had to do computer. And I think I don't really like my computer teacher anymore hmm. because she's being really rude to me now when I'm in third grade. She's being really strict.
2: Now. Huh. When been, s- yeah, when you're saying she was strict, grade, yeah, go ahead.
4: was strict, but she was not strict that time. Mm. She doesn't have to be always strict. She's been strict
1: to me. Yeah, and so when I could see how you don't like that today, when you said she was strict, was that because she told you to stop crying? Yeah, I
4: think I was kind of acting strict a little.
1: Bit. Yeah, maybe that didn't feel good. You know, I could see how you're saying you don't like her because of what she did, and I can see how you why you don't like what she did today. But I'm also thinking, you know, sometimes maybe someone does something we don't like. And instead of we say that we just won't like them anymore, sometimes we can go talk to them and share with them what we felt and what happened. And maybe things can actually get better. So maybe you and this your computer teacher, even though right now I can see how you feel sad about what happened today in class and also how she told you to stop crying and that that made you feel bad and that she was being too strict. But maybe even your mom or someone can help you to go talk to her and you can share with her what happened and what you were feeling and why you got so worried. And then when she said, stop crying, it didn't feel good. And maybe you and her actually can have a good relationship. You can actually be closer with her.
4: The bad news is Mm -hmm. that you have to like raise your hand Uh and sometimes she doesn't come to me anymore. It's just weird. She just came to like three times Hmm. and she just came to the rest of the people and just left me there.
1: Oh, so you felt like she right. was kind of ignoring and I you? I did
4: not even solve my problem because yeah. my account, I think it was probably broken or something. And while I was trying to um, trying to fix it, it, it didn't work. Hmm. And it's because my, my password was wrong. While I was doing my username, it was still wrong. A person helped me, it was still wrong. I don't get it. Like, there's, like, a glitch or something with like a virus in my computer hmm. that they got for new. And the bad news is in third grade is um, that, I don't know, that you actually have more homework.
1: Yeah, usually, you know, each year you yeah, do probably get five, more.
4: It's not. You don't get to have a break until Friday. That's a long time. Yeah. But on Mondays for second grade, you just have to do, like, well, not the second page. I have to do second pages on Mondays. like, not
2: fair.
1: Yeah, I can, it seems like it's too much work sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes they do give kids a lot of homework. But, you know, I, we're, I have to stop because we go to commercial break. But then I want to keep talking to you, okay? So I'm going to put you on hold and then in like four or five minutes i'm going to bring you back and we could talk some more about what's going on at school and then also i want you to tell me a bit about how your mom and how people at home are helping you deal with these issues because you always have them to get help too okay so i'm going to put you on hold we're just going to say a a quick little not goodbye but talk to you soon okay 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 all right you're listening to in session with dr we'll be right back Welcome back. Before the break, we were with the caller. Let's go back to her now. Hello. Are you still there?
4: Hello. I'm ah. still there. right. Oh,
1: right. I'm glad you are. It's nice to talk to you again. So you told me a lot about school, especially today. It seems like you didn't have such a, a good day at school. Although when I'm talking to you, you you're in, sounding in such a good mood. But I know earlier you were not in a good mood. But I was wondering something I asked you before we went to commercial was how did your mom, when you told her you had a bad day, what did she say?
4: Um, I definitely forgot about that.
2: Uh huh.
4: It's because it's been a while. Uh-huh.
2: Because
4: I told her in the car. She said, and she said, um, I don't really know how to explain this. Okay. I don't really know. Oh, that's
1: okay. Well, yeah, maybe it's hard for you to explain it because I was just wondering w- what she said. Because you know, when we have a tough day, it really sometimes it can help how someone talks to us. They can help us sometimes feel better. Although sometimes they don't make us feel better. So I was just wondering w- what your mom said. W- well, let me ask you this: What she said did it help you feel better?
4: Um, it still didn't. It still didn't. I was crying in the car. Mm. And so. It was a bummer. I was trying to stop myself crying, but I couldn't.
2: Hmm. Well, that's and okay.
4: And I couldn't. And I, I was wondering, doctor, if you know how to stop me from crying?
2: Hmm.
1: You know, that's an interesting question. Because if it, when you tell me you're crying and you're sad, I, I don't want you to be sad because... Like your mom does, and so many people, I'm sure, do. I care about you, and I I want you to feel good. But I also want you to feel that if you are sad, and if something makes you feel like crying, that you can cry as long as you need to cry. That it's it's okay to cry when we feel sad. So if you yeah, were... but I didn't
4: want to cry that hmm. time. Oh, like but when you were in class. What?
1: You mean when you were in class, or when you were in the car?
4: I was in the class. Yeah. And then in the car,
1: also crying. Right. But I mean, I can see how in class sometimes it's hard because maybe there's other kids around or, you know, in this case, I know the teacher told you to stop crying. But, you know, it's not so easy. We can't just turn it off like it's a light switch. You know, if we if we're sad and we're crying, sometimes we need some time to cry and calm down. Or if something is bothering us, if that thing doesn't change, we might keep crying. And especially with your mom... Um, I hope that she makes you feel that you can cry as long as you want to cry if something makes you sad. That's okay.
4: Um, yeah, I do cry a lot for a lot of things, and I don't really know.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Sometimes maybe things make you sad or maybe something makes you scared. And like I said, it's not that I want you to cry because I, I hope you can feel good, but I know that sometimes we get sad, sometimes Things make us feel unhappy, and when that happens, it's so important for us to get to share how we feel. Sometimes I cry if I get sad.
4: Yeah, and this is what happened as well. Uh-huh. While that music, the same thing happened, but I wasn't crying. Uh huh. It just felt weird to me. Um, my music teacher got a little bit more strict.
2: Uh huh.
4: Yeah, and I don't really want to explain it because it's it's kind of like personal to me oh you don't have
1: to share anything you don't want to talk about if it's personal to you you don't have to say but it seems like something happened in music class you didn't like and you know so a few times today you talked about teachers being strict and that you didn't like it and so it seems like when they get strict or maybe you feel like they're mad at you it really bothers you huh yeah and
4: I also heard about this that my my kindergarten, teacher got strict because she now is third grade. But she been so nice in kindergarten to me. I can still remember that memory, and I'm really sad because some when I went to um sometimes the like sometimes out. I was talking to my friend. Mm-hmm. That's why you my friend started a conversation with me. Why I feel so sad because this is what she said. I feel so sad because there was two nice aides before and I missed them. But they both retired. Mm-hmm. But then then she Miss Welsh, our teacher, that's so nice and didn't realize she hired the strictest, um, the strictest, um, in the world, hmm. and, yeah, she didn't realize they were strict, but they kind of yell a lot, like, oh. like, like roosters or chickens just <laughs> running across, or like a mouse or something like that. They kind of yell loud uh-huh.
1: like that. Oh, and it's yeah. It's
4: really funny to me.
1: Well I know you're saying it's funny, but it seems like <laughs> Well, I know you're saying it's funny, but it does seem like it bothers you too, huh? When they do it and
4: Yeah, but in the reason they yell like chickens and now it's
1: like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kinda of funny when you say it that way, that they yell like chickens. But I can also see that you're saying you didn't like how strict they are too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that <laughs> Yeah, it makes me laugh too. It's so funny you're making it sound so funny that they sound like chickens. But yeah, sometimes when they sound like chickens, I know you can get upset if it's, maybe if it's at you and they're yelling, it doesn't feel good. Maybe if it's at someone else, it can kind of be funny. Or afterwards, when we're me and you are talking now, it's funny to think about it. But you're saying how you miss the nicer ones who are not as strict.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so that was making you um, sad. When I you-
4: just wanted to tell you that to that time well um let me try to remember what i was going to say okay they kind of sound like roosters (laughs) just yelling constantly they do like hey you you stop it like and they blow the whistle the whistle and i really get confused is the bell rang or Somebody got
2: in trouble one time at two touch while I was playing with my
1: friend. <laughs> yeah, but the, it is kind of funny um, the way they they make it seem, and it's so loud. I guess you're saying you can't even tell if it's the bell or if it's actually just their whistle. So they it sounds like they are pretty loud. But yeah, so you know the strict teachers. Most people don't like it if teachers are mean or if they're being strict, like you're saying. Sometimes they are, but I think maybe it makes you even more sad. When this happens, and then you don't know what to do and you get sad, especially if you're at school. So what do you do if you're at school and you get really sad? Um,
4: well, there's a counselor. But yeah. I forgot to tell her. I didn't have enough time to tell the counselor. Because was in class, I'm not sure if they let me out. Because I didn't thought I could have told the counselor and mm. asked her what to do. Yeah. But... I don't know. She might have been on a water break or something. Maybe,
1: but yeah, you can always ask and see if they're then available later. But yeah, it's always good to talk to someone. Um, When we're feeling sad, that can help sometimes. I think it's good to think about what you can do because I know you asked me how can you stop yourself from crying or maybe not get sad. But a lot of times we can't just change our feeling. But what we can do is if we're feeling sad, get some help from people. Sometimes a hug feels nice. Sometimes talking to someone feels nice. And we could see what helps us feel better. And if you're at home, you can probably talk to, you know, Someone like your mom, but if you're at school, maybe the counselor or teacher can help. I think that's why today was tough because the teacher told you to not cry, and you didn't know what it to do.
4: It was actually the computer teacher, uh-huh. but the teacher also was being strict today. Uh, but there was two people to talk to as mm. well. Mm-hmm. That you visit the art class. That was that's when it started not happening. Mm-hmm. and Mm -hmm. but miss Wells is all the way at the principal office but she doesn't let anyone come in i see i don't really know she doesn't let anyone come into her office
1: okay oh so maybe you can't always talk to her but hopefully there's someone now i just want to tell you something we have like four minutes left okay i just want to give you that warning so you know how much time we have okay Okay. So was there anything, because we just have a few minutes, I wish I could talk to you even longer, and you can always call again another time. Um, but I'm wondering, is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to make sure you told me or you asked me?
4: I think that's all it, but I want to tell you, my mom said that you could have playdates with kids.
1: That you can have playdates?
4: Yeah, you could. You could. You can. My mom said you get a visit. I could
1: visit you in your office. Oh, well, if you ever come... So I live in Los Angeles. I don't know how far you are, but if you're ever in Los Angeles, you can come visit me or visit us here at the radio station. We'd be so happy to see you.
2: I am in Los Angeles.
1: Okay. Well, then you can have them call the office. So you guys called one number, and then I can give your mom the other number. And then if you ever wanted to come in... Um, The office number, if she's listening, it's 310-441-5111. So if she calls and then she wanted to come, you guys can come visit the the radio station. Okay. Yeah, if you think that'd be fun, we'd be very happy to see you.
4: Okay, thank you, doctor. Bye.
1: Bye, nice talking to you. Thank you. Bye.
4: And thank you. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so much Dexter. thank you you know
1: just because i have i mean uh, that was uh, such a delight i was so happy to talk to her and i really meant if you guys wanted to come sometime to visit that would be fine but i did you know i was asking her but i hope um you heard some of what i was saying of how uh when she's sad i, I wanted to know how you respond to her because that is very important to give her that space that we can't just make her not be sad but we want to let her express her feelings share what she's feeling
2: Sure, uh,
4: doctor. I always t- uh, tell her, uh, "Don't worry. Yeah, it, uh, it's not worth uh, to cry." For well, that's that. the
1: part. That's even what I'm. Even if um, when you
4: fail, even if sure. you get D minus, it doesn't matter. The
1: I agree with thing that. For yeah. for
4: us is that you be happy. Well, that we always ask her right. to be happy. But that's that's yes. what I'm
1: saying. Is I want you not to put so much pressure on her to be happy. I think it's great to not put pressure on her. That if she gets a deep, whatever grade she gets, you're going to love her and it's okay. But we also don't want to put the pressure that she shouldn't cry or she can't cry. Uh, I'm not saying, like I was telling her, I don't want her to be sad. I don't want her to cry. But I do want her to be able to express her feelings, whatever the feelings are. So, um, you know, a lot of parents, they think their job is to make sure their kid is always happy. And I don't want you to put that pressure on yourself or on her. That if she's sad, she's allowed to cry for 10 minutes because, you know, even she was asking me, how can I stop myself? I don't want her to feel like she has to stop crying. I want her to feel that if she's crying, she can cry as long as she wants and you'll be there for her to keep crying and express her feelings. And whenever she's ready to talk, she can talk about it, but you're there for her. So if you can make that shift from we want her to always be happy to it's okay for her to be sad uh, and not put that pressure on her so that it's okay for her to be sad too.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah. Thank you. And I
1: hope you guys will come visit, but really it was so, so nice to talk to her. Uh, please give her a hug from me since I don't get to see her oh, yet.
4: Thank you, Doctor. Sure, sure. We will come to your office because uh, I asked her before to talk to you first, and then I was sure she'll be interested in to visit you. Okay. Sure. Well, thank we'll, you, see. we'll
1: see. We'll see. I was very happy to talk to her today. Again, give her a hug from me and nice talking to you both. Sure. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, have a take great care. Day. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. All right. So uh, sometimes, you know, I always love what I get to do, but some days I feel it even, even more, and talking to her was, was such a delight. So I'm so happy to have talked to her. I'm glad she called. Uh, and also thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Razale who was here in the studio, always helping out. Uh, you've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi we Have a wonderful day.